Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we are hanging out with Aaron Carpenter. Aaron runs Legendary Lion. He is a YouGurus mentor, just joined our mentor team uh, just a few months ago. He founded his agency in 2011. He's been running it for just over 10 years. He's got over 300 clients in his niche, which we'll talk about on today's program. He's completed over 500 projects for his digital agency. He also created a website in his niche, which was a, which was a, a, a directory for businesses, private practices in the niche that he serves, and he sold it for close to seven figures. So we'll be learning about that and his three-person team and much more on today's episode. Aaron, welcome to the program. Hey, good to be here. Thanks for having me. So Aaron, tell me a little bit about how you got into running your digital agency. I feel like we all have kind of our our story, right? So take us back 10 years ago. What, what got you into this business? Yeah, I mean, I, for a long time, I've always been into computers, uh, built computers when I was younger. And uh, somewhere around 15 or 16, I had a cousin come over and he was like, let me show you something I learned at school. And he had popped open the uh, notepad on my uh, Windows installation and he wrote a little bit of HTML. I had no idea what he was doing, saved it as a .html, and then it showed up like a web page on my desktop and he double clicked it and what just happened? My brain exploded. I was like, that is so cool. So I started to, to learn it and dabble in it. Um, worked for a couple of different uh, companies doing web development, SEO, that sort of thing, getting the hang of things. And then the last company I worked for, I was uh, very upfront with them and said, hey, I really want to start my own agency. I already have the name picked out, working on uh, the website and everything. I'd love to take this gig, but only if you're comfortable with me you know, giving you notice, like 30 days notice when I'm ready and stepping off my own. And uh, he said, yeah, that sounds cool. Come on board. And then when it came time, I stepped down on my own and started doing projects and uh, the rest is history. There's something about the notepad story. I mean, I, I resonate heavily with that. I think the first time, kind of that hello world moment of you made the computer do something that, uh, you know, not just normal stuff that people are asking the computer to do, whether it's in, in basic or C or whatever, like that hello world moment where you just, created something. And then all of a sudden, I know for myself, being able to share that with anybody in the world was a little bit different than normal, like programming that we could put something on the internet. And then anybody, no matter where they were, could just like type in an address and like pull up that information. Now, obviously, for anybody who's, you know, gotten into this in the last like five years, they're like, I don't understand. Like they, they were born with this stuff. But I feel like for a while, right, like just communicating with people in different you know, different parts of the country, different parts of the city, down the street from you, right, was was kind of locked to the phone. So I feel like that magic, right, for people at that moment could, uh, I mean, it really changed our perspective of what's possible. It sounds like you got that bug. 
Yeah, for sure. And I still get that rush. You know, um, I'm a full stack designer developer. Uh, it's a requirement for everyone on my team. So when someone's assigned a project, when they design something, they, they're already thinking about how they're going to build that so they don't design themselves into a corner. But man, when I learned something new in development recently, I took a project where I just picked up Python, which is not traditionally a web programming language, but I wrote a web crawler to just go grab all the stuff I needed and throw it into a CSV as a work order for a you know previous client. And the second that I did it and like hit run and saw it working and just saw like the little data size going up on the CSV file, I was like, ooh, that's so much fun. It's so much fun. I just, uh, I'm all about it, man. I think you're making some some uh, some some agency owners that love to nerd out with the code blush a little bit right now, right? Oh, We're all feeling yeah, like, oh great. man, Aaron gets me, right? So you're you you decided to start the the agency as a side gig to working with another agency. I think there's probably people listening today that might have a full time job either with an agency or or not, right? Maybe they're not even doing stuff within web design or development or marketing in their primary job, but they're moonlighting as an agency. I love the transparency that you you gave. You know, you weren't like scared, like, oh, if I tell them this, they're going to like fire me or whatever. You were very upfront with them. Uh, it sounds like the employer was cool with that. How, how long did you work with that um, on that team before you left? Oh, about a year and a half. It was quite okay. a while. Um, but the, the, um, the whole thing was, uh, I had built like a project where I had learned in JavaScript that you could tilt the phone and you know, when you tilt the phone, you get landscape mode or like portrait mode on a site. We all know that, but JavaScript can know which way it's tilted. And so I made a little portfolio, like I'm Aaron Carpenter, a developer where, uh, when you landed on it, it said, tilt it left to see my bio, tilt it right to see previous work. And the guy had seen that he was like, we want you on our team. Um, and I was like, okay, but here's the thing. I built that because this is the direction I'm going. And my, right. my thought process, like if anyone else does that, I mean, it's just good ethics to be, you know, upfront if you're going to do something like that. Also, you know, if you're a business owner um, and you've hired people, you know that like you'd prefer to just know the whole story and then make the decision based on that. And so, yeah, so that's what I did. And I was just, you know, upfront with them about it and um, continued to work on it in my own time. Uh, but I told him, you know, when I come in and I clock in, I'm 100% here for you, right? Yep. Um, so yeah, I think it worked out really, really well. Did um, It took a year and a half, right, from that initial onboarding to finally go out on your own 100%. What was, you know, how much of your time were you spending doing like moonlighting projects? I mean, was it something that kind of was hot and cold or were you totally like committed when you got home at night or on weekends, you were working on getting clients? What What kind of was that process like? Man, so it was, uh, in terms of like fulfillment project work, it was real hot and cold, you know, getting started very green, um, trying to find my own clients, you know, locally and basically going to networking meetings and shaking hands and being like, I could do magic web stuff. Like, let me do that for you kind of a thing that, that, you know, was just picking up cl like clients as I could get them. But the, the goal was basically like, okay, I'm serious about this. I want to do this, but I kind of need a stepping stone. You know, like I can't just jump in full in on this and, and expect it to fully support me and, and my lifestyle. So, so the idea was in working with that previous employer, like, hey, man, I'm going to be doing this. But, you know, there will come a time where I give you like 30 days notice if that's cool with you for a time period where then I'm going to shift once I feel like I can fully, you know, step on board my own ship and start to sail. 
So, so yeah, but it was very hot and cold, you know, in the beginning, I was taking any project I could get my hands on, man. I was not <laughs> even thinking about niching yet or anything. Hey, what's up agency owners? Quick question for you. Could your client retention rate be better? Most small businesses are terrible at closing leads. So it's pretty common to churn lead gen clients quickly, but I've been really impressed with a new all-in-one marketing platform that actually closes leads without clients having to get involved. The platform, which is called High Level, is built specifically for agencies, and the best part is you can white-label it so you can present it to your clients as your own software and collect that sticky software revenue in addition to your services charges each month. High Level normally has a 14-day free trial, but as a member of the YouGurus community, you have access to an extended 30-day trial, which you can access at gohighlevel.com forward slash YouGurus. That's gohighlevel.com forward slash U-G-U-R-U-S. All right, let's get back to the program. So a lot of people, when they think about that that transition process from side gig to full-time, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of debate on, right? When when do you make that jump? When do you, you know, and, and a lot of people have a lot of fear around that jump from I have a full-time salary to my own side gig. Did you have enough consistent client work on the side to kind of cover your expenses or was there a little bit of like a drop off after you decided to say, Hey, look, I'm ready to go all, all in on my full-time thing. Yeah, it's totally a fair question. Um, I think it would, you know, it, it's better to say, or I think more accurate to say that there was a little bit of fall off because I had a regular paycheck, you know, I was working full-time and uh, then doing these side projects, but I was confident when I decided to uh, step into my own that I had the infrastructure, like I had already figured out how I wanted to do billing, how I wanted to handle projects through a process. I had a angle. I joined a BNI group. So I was already part of a networking group where I was shaking hands, building networking, starting to get leads regularly from, you know, so it, um, while the income, you know, was very like up, down, up, down, up, down, long, cold, very hot, you know, feast famine. It, it was time, you know, like I could just tell it was time that I could start doing this on my own. And, and I wanted to get started sooner rather than later. I hear BNI from a lot of people. Are you still active in BNI? Is it still a thing for you? I am not active in BNI. I was uh, president of a chapter in Traverse City, Michigan for a year and uh, was there a member for like four years, I think total. Then I moved to Charleston, South Carolina to open up another office down here and to get away from the winters in Michigan. And I went to a few different groups, but um, yeah, it just, I already kind of had my own thing going at that point where uh, the opportunity cost of my time going there once a week for an hour and a half with the drive time didn't make much sense compared to taking that hour and a half and putting it into my own, like working on my business in my own marketing, you know? Yeah. Now I know you, um, you, you're very active in, uh, in a niche market. What's your, your niche and how did you get started with that? Yeah. Uh, so we work primarily with mental health clinicians, with LMFTs, um, psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, anyone in the mental health industry. Um, and we got started on that because I got a, um, an opportunity, again, from my hometown, Traverse City. There's a guy there, uh, Joe Stanek. Uh, shout out to Joe. He runs a uh, podcast specifically for therapists in the business of how to build a practice. Most of these people just go to school for mental health. And then when they get out, they want to strike out on their own. They don't know the first thing about even filing a DBA, right? Like they don't, they don't even know what to do. Um, so he handles all that for them. And he approached me and was like, hey, Aaron, I really want a new logo. Need to um, you know, improve my website. I built it myself. It's not cutting it anymore. Uh, so we took care of that for him and sponsored his first podcast. 
uh, episode after the relaunch and everything. And uh, did a, com- a couple of events with him as well, where we just sort of were guests. I was a guest speaker for him on the front of web marketing. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Word of mouth referrals, plus people you know, getting on board with that podcast and stuff. And we just kept getting client after client after client mental health sphere. That's cool. Congrats on the, the success in the market. I find some people are super intentional about like, I'm going to work with this market and I'm going to go out and do it. And then others, I find that it's looking at where you're getting traction in the marketplace and also where you have kind of a general interest and where things are, are, are jiving for you. It sounds like you got a client kind of that opened a door and moved you into, uh, into a new market. Yeah, I mean, we kind of got lucky, interestingly. And, and maybe there are some people that can empathize with this story, but like, I didn't see it right away. I was still mm. taking projects from everywhere, you know, and just trying to be everything for everybody. And I also was really refining with my team the process of handling a project. And a lot of our projects were really low budget early on. So we really, like, really, really learned how to squeeze the most value out of a very small budget and still be able to pay ourselves. So it was almost like we were trained, like these elite, you know, designer, developer, like warriors going to war with these little budgets and still coming out. Um, but we knew that's not where we wanted to be, you know, so we we kept finding ways to change our pricing and add more value. And, and, and I think that worked out for us, but we eventually, you know, came back around with our vision to, you know what, we have so many of these therapists, we understand them, we love working with them. They're the most patient people in the world. You know what I mean? Like they just, <laughs> do you ever, and, do you ever and, find you're on like a, a, like a client call with them and you're getting a little therapy from them or are you more the therapist with them about their business? I, I think it kind of goes both ways. You know, you're speaking with someone on the phone during the discovery process who's an incredibly empathetic person who uh, also typically doesn't really understand any of this because they've spent almost no time other than reading a few blogs on like how to build a website or SEO. So I'm bringing a lot of value to them by just showing up and answering their questions. Um, so yeah, they're very nice, you know, warm conversations. And and uh, and yeah, even when things start to go sideways because it's not quite what they wanted, they're willing to stay in the game, you know, and give us a shot at correcting the issue or something. So it's rare that I've run into our therapist, like a therapist client that's like really difficult to handle. You know what I mean? How, how much is that? I imagine there's a lot of markets out there where they, they really relate to having kind of a private practice business, whether it's, you know, dental offices or law offices or, um, you know, dietitian. I mean, there's just so many, like even like personal trainer kind of stuff. I mean, what are some of the things that you have learned by working with that market that have really helped you build better processes and systems or approaches for dealing with that size of business? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and it's something that like as a mentor, when I'm talking with the agencies, you gurus, I come back to us talking about our niche and why that's so important. I think to answer your question specifically first, what we learned was that there is this sort of cycle in the mental health or private practice sphere. And that cycle often looks like we're full up on our caseload. So I need to hire someone. But before I can do that, I need office space. So it's fill up on caseload, get office space, hire someone, fill up on caseload, and rinse and repeat this sort of flywheel effect. What's interesting about the mental health market right now is that because of the last, let's call it, five, six years, everything that's been going on, everybody would love to talk to a therapist. I hear all the time, the running joke in the therapy world is nobody doesn't need a therapist. Everybody needs one. And the added thing to that too, is that it's becoming more socially acceptable. 
Now I'm going to kind of pause there, but like, I know that because I work with these people because I know that the very first conversation I have with a therapist, who's part of a group practice with multiple locations or someone just striking out on their own immediately goes, this guy gets it right. I'm not just a Mm. web designer who can do a site for you. Like I understand what's happening. I know your challenges. I'm saying it before you even ask me, like I'm pointing the things out. I may be even pointing out things that you hadn't even considered yet. And so, you know, the the advantages that I learned from continuing to work in the market is that my job got easier, selling got easier, adding value to the projects got easier, upselling became easier. I know what they need, you know, and so uh, that plus there is also a bit of a flywheel effect of the more projects we do, the more people we have chirping about how awesome we are, the more projects we get. So, yeah. It's a, it's a bit like that. And I hope, I hope that answers your question, but I feel like that's really, you know, the crux of why niching down makes so much sense and why to try to start doing that sooner and learn so much about your audience. You can be that same person. Yeah. I mean, that's, I I love hearing the, you know, I feel like every market has their own language, have their own keywords, their own glossary, their own uh, kind of worldview, the, the workflows that they go through. While they're like 95% the same as any business, right? Every business has to market. Every business has sales. Every business has to keep their books. I mean, you know, every business needs a website for the most part. The the nuances are where you get your competitive advantage, that you understand that about them. You know the questions they're going to ask. You know the objections they're going to present, not in a general way, but in a very specific way before they even present them. And, you know, clients only work with you if they know, like, and trust you. And, that know and trust factor, you know, you get like a multiplier effect when you really understand the worldview that they have. Yeah, for sure. And it's led to just this last year, we uh, submitted a trademark on the private practice growth system, which is now part of our sales process. Um, It's essentially splitting up how to grow a private practice in three stages, starting out with your uh, starting to like scale with your first few hires and then starting to have multiple locations. And we know that as a private practice, you have very unique problems in each phase and web uh, marketing can step up to the plate largely in uh, each one of, and, and fill the role that you need in each one of those phases. So we just kind of created a battle plan for that and then started using it. And then I was just like, this thing needs a name. Came up with a private practice growth system, submitted the trademark, put it on the sales thing. And now I'm, I think we're like 90% sales closure rate whenever we get a private practice on the phone and we start to walk them through that because they're like, yes, thank you. I'm tired of trying to figure all this stuff out. I just want to be the owner who has, who helps, you know, guide this plan and sign off on this plan. So yeah, that's, that's been amazing for us so far this last year. It's funny because I know we had kind of introduced or you talked about yourself in the context of like a full stack design and developer, which I think is great for our industry. Uh, and with our peers to understand that and for you to know your tech and for you to know like the the intricacies of what you do. But it, as it pertains to your market, a private practice owner, I mean, if you th- if you drop out like, oh yeah, I'm a full stack design developer, right? Like the average therapist client is probably going to be like, uh, I don't, do I need that, that? Like, do I have, yeah. like, do I have one of those? Do I need one of those, right? Um, and in talking about this in terms of your intellectual property as an agency that you're now developing, and you mentioned, you know, trademark, right? I, I immediately think IP, right? You, you've now got, now that you're so well niched, you have hundreds of clients in your market. You now have this cool opportunity of 
of developing intellectual property that becomes an asset beyond just your agency's skills and services. Yeah. And again, the beauty of it is it just comes back to, it makes it so much easier. You know, if we find a new way to improve that plan, we make one small tweak, but my whole team knows how that plan works. And that's what we're, that's what we're selling, you know, to private practice clinicians. Um, They all need these things. This is what we've identified that they need, you know, so you can give it a little bit of kit glove treatment and kind of some little like customizations here and there as needed for that particular client, but it's still the same playbook. You know what I mean? We're still running the same plays. So everybody on the team is in sync and it allows us to run quite a lot of business through quite a small team because we don't really have to worry about scaling up. We're just very, very efficient at knocking through these, you know? Because you have, I mean, you have a a three-person core team, but you're supporting hundreds of clients. And so part of that comes from this system. Uh, one of the things that I, I wanted to make sure we had time for today, because I, I know you get a lot of questions about this in our community, because you did a you did a presentation on like a pricing calculator and a yeah. system that you use to scope things out, and I know a lot of people don't have a pricing calculator yet built out for their business. They're kind of you know maybe they exercise uh, the the I put value based pricing in air quotes. So what I mean by that is. You know, you don't really know what it takes to create something. And so you just kind of make up a number and you cross, you know, you, 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 uh, you cross your fingers and you hope like, you hope that you're going to make, make more money than you spend on it. Right. You're like, ah, oh, quiet. Yeah. This is just, we're pricing based on value, but really it's just, we're not really putting the work into knowing what our price is. And actually I'm probably speaking mostly from personal experience early on in our agency. I would just like guess at a number. And then we'd track time and we'd be like, oh, wow, we spent a lot more time on that than we thought we were going to. So what what motivated you to create a, a pricing calculator for your business and how do you use that? Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. Um, it makes me cringe, right? Like I think about, I totally was that way too. And I think a lot of agencies are where they're just like, this feels like a like $2,000 feels like I would love to get that for doing this project. But you really aren't thinking about if that price is even appropriate for the company or for yourself. It's just a number that you're wrestling with. And uh, we were that way for a number of years. And then I, one day, uh, I think it was around a couple of years ago, I decided to try to reverse engineer the problem. So the the sort of hypothesis was, if I could figure out how much revenue, annual revenue a company does per year, that could give me approximately how much their budget should be for a website. Because it is correlated, right? I mean, there's some caveats to that, but it's pretty much correlated. And so I started to dig around, I found you gurus and also found small business administration. And I was hearing a lot of the same messages, which was that, Businesses should be spending around 10% of their annual revenue on all marketing expenditures. And I was like, okay, well, that's a figure I can start with. So then at least half of that should be spent on your digital marketing. I mean, it's not getting less popular, right? And for if your business is all online, it should definitely be more than that. So I started to plug in some numbers and I basically like started at like 100,000, like kind of someone starting a business and started to go up and up and up and up until I was getting like 25 million, 100 million. I even pulled data from Fortune 500 companies and it all checked out. They all were spending at least 10, sometimes 12% on uh, marketing. So I was like, okay. And then I started to look at what like even half of that would be for a website. And I was like, oh man, like even a company that's doing 300,000 a year should probably be spending about $10,000 on web marketing. 
That's a bigger number than I thought it was going to be. And once I started to kind of wrap my head around that number, um, I started to go, okay, well, a lot of the people that I talk to probably don't have that liquid. They might not have that saved up, right? So how do I you know, get them around the sticker shock of that? And the answer was to do uh, discovery, paid discovery, start to walk them through the value of it, get them excited about the ideas, um, but to also be paid for my time and then provide a quote after we've gone through all of that together. And uh, the goal was, how do I add value to this reasonable price tag for your website? If that is a budget I can work with, how would I add the most value to that? And so that's how we started to approach projects. And our quotes instantly went up. We started making more money because we were asking for more money and had a clear plan on how we were going to add value to that number. So the so you've got a baseline of kind of where you think a client should be for budget, but then you use the discovery process to get really specific about that client's issues, opportunities, so that by the time you do get to a price quote, you're you're really playing to what they need and what they want out of the whole situation. Yeah, that's correct. And and um, this is particularly helpful for custom projects too, because we can look at the different features, all of the things that are included and make sure that's not going to exceed, you know, what we're what we're working with. So is particularly helpful. But the interesting thing that I learned that most people could take away from that is you can find, like, once you break the three to five employee mark, you can find approximately how much value each employee brings to the company. In other words, you can divide the annual revenue against the team size and come up with a number. And that number effectively is each person on average brings in this much revenue per year to get to that total figure. Why is that important? Well, everybody listening to this podcast knows right now, if they were to just straight up ask their client in even the first meeting, let's say, how much annual revenue do you do? They might hold the cards close to their chest. Now, I've been doing this a long time and I know how to establish trust very quickly. I like sales. So I can usually get that figure straight out of them right away. But if I can't, then I'll go, cool. How many people are on your team? 10? I already know how much they make per year. I might even say that. Okay, so ballpark, you're around this much per year. And they'll go, how do you know that? Well, it's just math. You know what I mean? Like it's They would have to be conducting their business in that niche very differently than all their competitors to have that figure be very different. So there, again, like right away, I'm seeming like I know what I'm talking about. And what other agency is talking with them that's talking about it that way, right? Like, hey, before we even get started, what kind of resources should we be talking about here? And what are your problems? Can we make that align? And what does that look like? Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's E, the number two, M, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. You know, I love this because I feel like the calculator is starting from a place of understanding where their organization is at in terms of a size and scope and and assigning a budget based on maybe what they should be spending to be competitive, to get the kind of results they need for growth versus starting with a, 
like a scope calculator, right? I think a lot of people, when I kind of tee that up, are thinking like, oh, he's got a pricing calculator and he puts all of his how many pages and what's the widgets right, and right. what are the things. And, and instead, you're pricing the business from the very beginning. And I I also think that just just hearing you talk about on you know knowing how many uh, people work at a private practice therapist office, right? You're immediately able to ballpark budget. And that I think is one of the benefits of of understanding a niche really well is that you can profile based on, you know, business size or revenue or income on other metrics that don't feel so uh, invasive, right? I mean, people, you know, oh, how much revenue are you doing? Oh, he's immediately going to like try to charge more for me or whatever. But really what you're, you're saying is I want to help you in the right way and understanding the size and scope of your business is going to help us to understand what we should be allocating for budget, which I think is genius. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, you know, another little hint I would give to that process that I've used very effectively is on, you know, this is this conversation would usually be like in our process, we have a 15 minute pre-qualifying call where I'm kicking their tires. Like, are you a good fit for us? Does this even make sense before I commit an hour of my time? And then we'll do one hour free discovery so that we both have a chance. We're both kind of quid pro quoing, like, okay, I'll bring some of my value to the table. You'll show up and you'll fill out a project brief before you even show up to that meeting as my client to pre-brief me. So we're both invested. Okay, we're going to go through that meeting. And by the end of the meeting, if we need to continue to plan out the project, it's paid time. But by the end of that first meeting, we've built a lot of rapport. And I'm working up to this quote, right? So one of the questions in there is about annual revenue. If they don't fill it out, I'll ask if they're uncomfortable saying, you see how I'm driving at this over and over again? If they don't, I'll ask if they're uncomfortable saying, then I'll go, okay, well, Small Business Administration, most Fortune 500 companies, this is true across the board, recommend that you spend at least 10% of your annual revenue on marketing. And I think you should be spending at least half of that figure on web marketing. So do you know how much you earn per year or how much you earned last year? And they'd be like, yeah. I was like, okay, you don't have to tell me. Just think about 10% of that number and then half that. Now, if that scares you, we need to talk about that. But if that's totally comfortable with you, we can continue, go through this planning process, and we're going to come up with a number that's really close to that. And that's going to be an appropriate number for you to bring the value that you need to this this project to execute it the way that you would like. Um, So, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of walking through them almost kind of like a business coach just on that one topic so that they understand this is coming. This is a real thing. This isn't going to be like a thousand bucks to do a 50 page e-commerce website. That's not what we're talking about here. And so that plants the seed, you know, just asking them to think and do the math on their side. But like I've explained, I already know what's up. I already know what's going on, you know, so I'm just kind of leading them to water until we can both get there so that we can, you know, move forward. And I think this is such a more interesting conversation than what's your budget, because you're in a way we're kind of being more prescriptive to say, hey, whether you're going to spend this money like with me or, or whatever, like you you should be thinking about this level of investment for your business. Because if you spend less than that, you're probably not going to get the things that you need to, to get your business to the next level. And I think that's a much more interesting conversation than, you know, hey, what's your budget? And the client comes in with an uneducated, you know, no idea really what they should be spending to accomplish what they want. And now you're giving them a framework, not even just asking them what they're, you know, what their revenue is so you can charge more to them, but to give them a framework to understand about where they should be landing with something like this. Yeah, man. And um, one of the things that I found, this is rare, but one of the things that I found is if I've really got someone sold, they're like, you know what you're talking about. We want to work with you. Everything you said sounds great. That number is a little out of our reach. And they're not willing to take a loan or do something to get at that number. No problem. 
then we'll shift gears. That's where we want to be. So what can we triage now? And I might, this is an audible that I'll call if I feel like they would be a great client. Um, We can get some business done. We can help some immediate problems, but we're working to that point. Why don't we come up with a game plan for you to get there with that budget in like six months and working up to that six months, we'll do this sort of lo-fi solution. We'll correct some of the most major problems that you have, which you know can use minimal budget for maximum uh, effect. And we'll work back on that. And we'll, we'll have always, always, always have a follow-up scheduled. They would have to cancel on me. And we've worked up to a point where they don't want to cancel on me, right? So um, yeah, so that, that part of the uh, sales process really works to keep the, the numbers appropriate for the scale of the business and the project that, um, that you should be working. Well, Aaron, this has been a lot of fun, man. As you being a part of our YouGurus mentor team now, which we didn't even really get into, but we will in, I'm sure, future episodes. But we're, uh, I think we're super excited to have you part of our mentor team. Uh, you've been working with us now for a couple of years as a member, and then you joined the mentor team here uh, just a couple of months ago. And so I know that you've been sharing a lot of value with our members, and I think there's a lot more to come. And I hope people listen to this are thinking, okay. I can come into you gurus. I can learn from people like Aaron, have them help you with your business. And I think we're really excited about that. Are you ready for our lightning round? Yeah, man, let's do it. All right. What is the best advice you've ever received? Oh, for an, an agency? Um, so I'll try to keep it short, but that last company I worked for, the owner pulled me into his office one day and said, uh, have you ever heard of Traction? And I have the book it's right back here behind me. I sat on that book for the first three or four years of my business, and I shouldn't have. That book is, involves something called an EOS system, which you can search. Basically, it's a framework for how to run a company. And it's very programmer-oriented, I think, you know, as a programmer. Like, I identify a lot with that system. So that would be the best piece of advice. Um, I bought that book right away when he told me it would be a good idea. And when I implemented it in my business, it was one of the healthiest things I did for my business. So so, so getting it, but also implementing it sooner would be, uh, would be a good piece of advice too. Uh, yeah. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Oh, um, showing up. It's really easy, especially now, Uh, like we're, uh, you know, often work from home. A lot of us, it's really easy to get distracted, you know, uh, do something in the kitchen, take care of an errand, do whatever. Um, Having hard time blocked where you show up to the business, just like you were wearing a button up shirt and tie working at a desk, you know, that ability to, I don't really like the terms like hustle or grind or whatever, because I love this stuff, man. Like I need to pull myself away from the desk. So that's my own personal pro con, but the ability to show up with that intensity every day um, and sometimes on the weekends is uh, what gets my projects done for sure. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable? Yeah, track your time. If you're not tracking your time, you got to track your time. Harvest is awesome for that. There's all of them work, toggle, whatever. Um, Secondarily, we use um, Google Drive for everything, Google Docs. Um, I do actually want to talk about that for a second. So um, one of the things that we do that keeps our content straight, and I haven't seen another agency doing this yet, is we keep everything in one document and we share the clients in, but they only get commenter 
mode, like suggesting mode. So anytime they change stuff, we see it and we apply it to the content. If it checks out, we don't have any questions. And part of that process is applying it to the design if we're already in design. So the design always matches the latest version of the copy. And it's not impossible to tell where that change is because it's just, you know, in there without any markup. So, yeah. Very cool. So using using the the, uh, the Google Suite, but also just a little gold nugget there of how you give access to clients is also important, not just whether you give them access. And uh, final question here is, what book would you recommend and why? Ooh, well, I can't do traction again because we already we already plugged that one. So, well, Brent's got a book. We could, you want to plug your book, Brent? Get rich in the deep end, man. There's that. Go go get it. It's available on Amazon now. Man, I mean, you know, the one that sticks with me a lot too is um, I, I refer to this one a lot. It's um, Jab, 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 Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk. I think if you ever are struggling with understanding how to connect with an audience on social media, there's a lot of smart moves that are included in that book. And it's an older book, so you kind of have to read between the lines now. But it's he basically just talks about new trends and how to connect with an audience and how to give value, give value, give value, then ask. And you're always building up that trust in everything before you ask. So it's not cold emailing your list every time, ask them to buy something. It's like, solve their problems, make them love you, then ask for something small in return. Ask them to show up to your webinar. Ask them to purchase your tripwire sale, whatever that is. Um, so yeah, it's a great book too. Awesome. Well, you successfully sandwiched my book between two of my favorite dudes, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk with Jab, 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 Right Hook, Traction, Gino Wickman, EOS, all their amazing stuff, as well as Get Rich in the Deep End. If you're looking on how to successfully niche and own your market, definitely check that out. We'll link out to all three of those in our show notes. Uh, promise did not nudge Aaron to uh, to plug the book, but I do appreciate it, dude. Uh, we'll link out to those on our show notes, yougurus.com slash podcast. So if you're out on a run or on a ride or in your car, check out that and we will organize all these takeaways, gold nuggets on that show notes page, yougurus.com slash podcast. Aaron, how can folks find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, sure. I have a short bio on uh, legendarylion.com. Um, and I believe there is going to be a mentor page on you as you can learn more about me here. Um, and then if you join bootcamp, uh, there is a chance that you could work with me directly. Awesome, man. Well, we'll, we'll definitely get folks out there. If they're looking to sell their first or next 10 K project, then you might be uh, working with Aaron to help you along that path. And we'll link out to legendarylion.com. We'll link out to your mentor profile, all on our show notes page at yougurus.com slash podcast. Uh, dude, Aaron, thanks for stopping by the program today. Thanks for having me, man. It was a lot of fun. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Brent Weaver.